1: sleep
2: Testament reading here from Hebrews uh, chapter 1 verses 1 through 12. In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all the things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father, or again... I will be his father and he will be my son. And again when God brings his firstborn into the world he says let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels he says he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son he says your throne O God will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have love. Righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed but..." You remain the same, and your years will never end. This is the word of God for the people of God.
3: Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And this is the word of God for the people of God. God. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? You know the song. Who is this Jesus that we're celebrating today? You know, for many people, we see the babe in the manger here. Little infant sleeping. He's the the sweet child that demands nothing. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Almost everybody loves the baby Jesus because quiet, perfect infants and ones that giggle a little bit and laugh a little bit They're easy to love. They're cuddly and they're cute. Show us how cuddly and cute they're. Just lift her up a second there. Yeah. They're cuddly and cute. And all of our stories, all of our stories about the babe are filled with the the quiet times. These gentle sounds of cattle lowing, whatever that is, and lambs bleeding, we know what that is, and of the gentle snort of a horse in the corner A small fire may be burning in the background, keeping the stable warm. All is calm, all is right in a silent night. And then the babe grows up. And we, as children and teenagers and young adults, we know Jesus as our best friend, the guy who keeps us out of trouble, who loves us no matter how many times we mess up, the guy who's just like the youth group leader, who's so much nicer to us than our mom and dad. Best friend Jesus, he may stick with us for decades, for our best friend Jesus will be there to help us as we have children of our own. When we lose our temper, when we get in trouble at work, when we drift from the path, the path, as the saying goes, you know, a friend might bail you out of jail after a night of going off the rails, but a best friend is there beside you in the cell. And that's the feeling we often have about Jesus, our best friend. He's going to be there right beside us, no matter what. And then there's a, there are those who say that Jesus is a great teacher, And he's like the best teacher in the world, the best philosopher that ever existed. And there are people who try to to tear back through the, the Bible and rip out all the supernatural and just go and try to find the historical Jesus. And you know, we lose something in that because he was a great teacher, but he was much more than a great teacher. A closer look at the Bible tells us that the prophets and the gospel writers and the writers of the other books of the New Testament saw Jesus differently. Perhaps we can learn from what they had to say. Isaiah, the great prophet, he saw Jesus as the suffering servant in his 53rd chapter. One who would die for everybody, who would suffer terribly, but he would be a great leader. He saw Jesus as a great leader who would save Jerusalem and maybe the entire world. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, Isaiah wrote. Who bring peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And said, listen, the watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. They'll see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. To the Lord will bear For the Lord will bear his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Isaiah saw the Lord coming back to Jerusalem, which was being destroyed at his time, and he was making everything right. The disciple Matthew began his gospel, his story of Jesus, with the genealogy of Jesus telling us who he was descended from. He showed that Jesus was descended from the great King David, the rightful king of royal blood through this. And he would be called the Messiah, the great leader who would rescue Jerusalem and Israel from their sins, which had led to rule by the Romans and the hated King Herod. To Matthew, everything in the Old Testament, all the prophecies pointed to Jesus. Matthew writes of the fear that Jesus' birth generated in King Herod when the wise men of the east arrived and how Herod sent men to try to kill the babe. To Matthew, Jesus would transform Jerusalem and Judah and Israel. But Luke, writing later, saw a much more expansive role for Jesus. When he spoke of John the Baptist He spoke of him as being born in the time of King Herod. He related him to Judah and Jerusalem. But Luke spoke differently when he described Jesus' birth. He spoke of the decree of Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, for a census of the entire Roman world. Therefore, Luke's gospel speaks of Jesus as a man who will not just change the world of Israel but will change the entire Roman Empire, stretching from Egypt to Britain. And although Luke gives us the most detailed account of the birth of the baby Jesus, Luke saw a Savior who would change the entire known world. Luke is the one who mentions the angel's appearance to the shepherds also, which means that for Luke, Jesus' Impact wasn't just upon King Herod and the other politicians of the world, like Herod, but was very important for shepherds, the lowest class of workers in the country. Luke tells us of the prophecies of Simeon and Anna, who both tell of the babe's effects upon the leaders and the people of Jerusalem. Simeon also spoke of the salvation for all nations, and even the Gentiles, the people who were not Jewish, Luke has this very expansive view of who Jesus was. But Mark had a different angle. He ignored the babe completely. He goes straight to the prophecies of John the Baptist, particularly focusing upon two things, that Jesus was the Son of God, much more powerful than John the Baptist, and that Jesus would baptize people with the Holy Spirit where John could only use water. Mark wants us to know the power that Jesus had over demons, his power to heal, his lordship over the Sabbath, his power over the storms, even his power to resurrect and the tight connection that he had with God the Father. Mark tells us of the transfiguration, that wonderful day when when Peter and John and James walked up on top of the mountain with Jesus and Jesus turned between, right in front of their eyes and started to glow. And he talked to Moses and Elijah. And a voice came out of the clouds saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews is even more explicit about Jesus as God's son. He wrote in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. And he makes it very clear that he's talking about Jesus. The unknown writer of Hebrews, who may have been Paul or Barnabas or Apollos, is very clear. Jesus is the Son of God, not in a metaphorical way, but in a very real tangible way. Jesus is no mere human He's not a wise human leader, but he's God who has walked upon the earth. And this is supported by Paul and Peter. Paul, in the very beginning of his letter to the Romans, wrote, I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set forth for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as in his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the Spirit of Holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. In many other places, Paul speaks of our need to be obedient to Jesus because He is our Lord, and we need to bow to Him. Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter also speaks of Jesus as the lamb sacrificed by God to redeem us from slavery to sin. He wrote, For you know it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And then there's the Gospel of John the Apostle. John claimed... To be jesus's closest friend he calls himself the disciple whom jesus loved and from his greek john we know was the most educated of the disciples because his greek was so polished how does john start his story of jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He goes on and he says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And as we read further, we see that John is speaking about Jesus Christ. To John, the disciple who lived the longest the disciple who also wrote three letters and the book of Revelation, to John, the most educated of the disciples, Jesus was the eternal word of God. He's very clear here. The Christ did not begin as the babe, but was with God the Father in the very beginning, and was God himself. It's from John that we have the clear statement that Christ in a complicated way, was part of God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was through Jesus that all things were created. And we go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke and creation happened, and the Word was with God in the beginning. The Word that became flesh and dwelt with the disciples. The Greek word that is translated as Word is Logos. But Logos has a deeper, more profound meaning at the time than just Word. It means an active, living Word, a rational, divine intelligence, a mind with will and agency. Kind of the foundation behind the world. In other words, the Logos is alive in the Greek thought of the time. A living word with a divine mind. A word that can react to us. And so to John, Jesus Christ is God himself. Particularly the part of God that communicates with the universe. Jesus took the power of God and directed it to form the world. And Jesus had a distinct character. He was full of grace and truth. Have you ever met someone who is totally honest? I have, and they can be a bit of a jerk. But Jesus was full not only of truth, but of grace also. So when Jesus spoke, he spoke with honesty, but he also was graceful, speaking in such a way that few people took offense at how he said things. For it was clear that Jesus, full of grace and truth, loved the people he spoke to. Now what he said did upset people, particularly when he claimed that he was son of God. So to John, the babe of Bethlehem did not grow up. He simply reclaimed his former glory as an adult. John was truly in awe of Jesus, for John recognized in Jesus the great creative power of God, the great wisdom of God, the very presence of God, his great love and politeness and concern for all people, because John knew that Jesus was God walking upon the earth. You might want to read John's gospel over the next few days, particularly if you've got a little time off, because that is probably the best way to figure out who Jesus is. You know, we speak of the tomb being empty at Easter. But today, the manger is also empty. Our God came out of the manger and he changed the world. And so when you go home today and you look at your scenes of Jesus lying in the manger let the hair on the back of your neck raise as you recognize that here today we celebrate the arrival of God, the creator of the universe on the earth. When you stare at that little baby, you are staring at a representation of God who came to earth one day. We celebrate the fact that God had so much Faith in Mary and Joseph, that he temporarily made himself helpless so that he could experience our lives, our hurts, our dreams, our struggles, so he could experience our deaths and die in our place. How much love does it take to die for someone? Oh, maybe we would die for our spouse or our children or our grandchildren. But that cute little baby in the manger grew up and knew his entire life, that he would one day be beaten, bloodied, and viciously nailed to a cross and die so we could all each live forever. All you need to do is choose to follow him and his teachings. Put some wheels under that decision by choosing to be baptized. For the babe of Bethlehem cannot be held long in a manger, for he is Lord of all creation. Will he be Lord of your life? After we receive the elements today, come to the altar rail today to pray to God and Christ about your life. You can stop and light a candle for yourself or someone else. Come forward if you'd like to follow Jesus or maybe there's someone else you care deeply for whom you'd like, want Jesus to help. So come forward and pray after you receive the elements.
4: I sat on the back row at church one Sunday, thinking I had it made. My wife and my children sat there beside me, but heaven was slipping. Away. I couldn't see that the things of this world meant nothing in heaven above. I thought I was living a life that was perfect, a life that was filled with love. The preacher was saying. Just ask for forgiveness, salvation you will receive. At that moment I realized that Jesus was missing from the life I'd chosen to lead. I slowly got up and I walked to the altar And fell down onto my knees I cried, dear Jesus I am a sinner Forgive me and set me free That day at the altar I was forgiven For all the things I had done It cost me nothing, the price had been paid By Jesus, God's only Son So now is the time to come to the Lord Salvation is yours to receive Jesus is waiting with arms open wide If only you will believe. Come to the altar. Jesus is waiting. Waiting for you and for me. Loving and caring. Eternity sharing. Just ask and you will receive.